I have actually a very weird memory related to UPC boxes where I remember when we got ours. Uh, this is before it became Virgin or whatever. Or was it something before Virgin again? Was it like Air or something? I can't really yeah. remember. This is back when it was N-T- like... NTL? NTL. Yes, that was oh, what it was. Oh. The purple. The purple yeah, yeah, yeah. user interface. And I remember one of my friends in school had like Sky. So they had Cartoon Network and was always like whenever I was in their home, we were always watching class things on <laughs> Cartoon Network. And I was like, oh, I didn't understand that we weren't getting Cartoon Network. And uh, I saw the NTL. And I was like, I immediately knew it's not going to have Cartoon Network. And I went to go try anyway. And I put in the number uh, for Cartoon Network. That on, was on Sky. On Sky. <laughs> and I went to some like fucking sports show or something. And I like started to cry. <laughs> <laughs> spoiled child. Very spoiled child. Good morning, Vietnam. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. There's no crying in baseball. And I'm walking here. Tired of getting the fuck in and the lollipop. And the Oscar goes to. The Oscar goes to. And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? You know you're just the rudest man. Let's get Gone with the Wind. Can we get like Gone with the Wind back? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Take 2. You're joined by me, Brendan Garrett, as well as my lovely co-host here, Connor. How, how's it going, Connor? I'm doing very well, and yourself? Uh, it's good. It's, yeah. uh, it's good. Good to be back in the recording chair here. How was your uh, week away? How was your week away? Your one week break? Uh, restful, Yeah, I would say. Uh, I didn't get up to too much, but... Um, it was nice to have a kind of bit more space in the week to to get around to doing nothing. But, I, love, uh, I love the way I asked you the questions if you were away on holidays or something like that. We just uh, yeah, <laughs> there was nothing like that. It was a staycation Stay, without yeah. vacation, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it was nice. Just kind of chilled around. I actually did nothing. Uh, yeah. Well, I kind of did stuff, but I enjoyed myself. Yeah, kind of I think I remember you telling me I put it. around two days before we usually record last week and you said like how good does it feel to not oh. have like obviously we, we we've enjoyed doing this <laughs> podcast so far but uh the overhanging kind of yeah responsibility of doing a bit of research and yeah the, you know, the nagging because, dread because believe it or not we actually do a bit of research you know <laughs> i know all this seems off the cuff and we just come up with the uh bits and pieces mm. but um a bit of work goes into the a little bit um, yeah so yeah. it was nice to have a bit of a break last week exactly um, exactly with uh what i think was good weather i can't my memory's gone terrible these days but i feel like it memory, was good weather. memory and attention span completely out the window Liter- literacy skills as well but uh sure look <laughs> we'll, we'll make do with it but yeah. what, what, what have you what, besides what you've been up to what have you been watching last week anything of interest um yeah well like like we said the last two weeks i've uh I've had a bit of time to watch a few things. Um, I moved on to watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary that was on Netflix, the four-part series. And I don't know why. Yeah, what was what made you click? Like, when I started that? watching I was like, I'm not really sure why I'm watching this. And well, when well, I finished it, I was none the wiser. Mm, <laughs> you watched all four episodes? I watched all, yeah. I was going to stop after two and I thought, listen, it's, it's four, it's not ten. Let's yeah. just finish it off. Because the- I think I've said this before, I have, it some, I have something in me that... I just need to finish it off. Why um, did you click it though? Why? What led you to I, it? Because you're pretty late to I the game. I think it was might have been um, the 
ca- I was about to say the capture of Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> it's not necessarily capture, uh, but uh, Ghislaine Gal- Maxwell getting it's a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them all. She's in the sphere right now. Um, but yeah, with her being detained, I think that kind of caught my eye and thinking I'd watch it. I've also listened to a podcast series on Jeffrey Epstein. I think it was done right. by ABC News or one of those types of news channels which and I found it pretty interesting and I thought it might be helpful to put like the visual yeah aspect to the story with the different people that were involved and stuff and the different residents that he had in New York and all that kind of stuff. I mean probably because I listened to the podcast I knew most of what I was and like the visual aspect didn't really add much because there's just a lot of like shots of like his his island and his yeah. his like like outside of his uh, penthouse suite in New York. You don't even yeah. get to, I don't think you see inside or anything yeah. like that. So it was four hours I'll never get back. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. I actually, when it was released, I went to go watch it. Um, wasn't really my choice. Uh, <laughs> I kind of watched it with someone. I thought it was really bad. I watched uh, half of the first episode. See, I followed it as it was released and I actually talked to someone about this, a different person to who I watched it with, but I talked to them about the show after watching half an episode. And their takeaway was like, yeah, if you were kind of like, if you knew what was going on the whole time with the case and his capture, another yeah. another Pokemon in the in the in the decks <laughs> there. But uh, yeah, there's no point in watching this. And also, it's like aggressively done in like it's not ten episodes. You you mentioned that, so it's not fully Netflix's documentary style, but it really is that kind of like even the intro is so Netflixy. The in intro how- is very disturbing. There's like an image of uh, of like the survivors. Yeah. On stacks of money. Yeah, it's pretty... Um, uh, like, the survivors as, yeah. the, like, young teenage girls. It's a strange one. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty heavy watch, I remember, as well, because there's a lot of survivor testimonials. Yeah. In the thing then, is, I will say, the so four episodes, the first two are just, like I said, it's telling a lot of the incidents and trying to get the backstory on where he came from and how yeah. he came. But again, I didn't even find that clear because it's kind of jumping ve- very back uninformed. and forth. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I was probably more informed from the podcast um, just the structure of the way they did it. Yeah. Um, the second two episodes I found a lot better because it kind of focusing more on the, the court case or at yeah. least towards the end of his end of his life I suppose. Are you any any the wiser about uh, who killed him? Or if he was killed um, I should say. Well I don't think he killed himself. Oh. Well I suppose it goes back to a conversation we were having Last weekend, actually, I believe that you shouldn't get uh, all your info from from Netflix documentaries. Probably not, <laughs> I suppose. But I actually there's a, there's a lot there's a there is a bit of a legacy for this show for myself personally, in that the the person I watched it with uh, it's now a running joke that uh, we just show Pedophile Island because uh, <laughs> that's all we could talk about. <laughs> that's all we could say. That's that's the whole buzz of the. Uh, of the show pretty much yeah. it's aggressive I don't know why it's called Filthy Rich even that's just a like I mixed it up with Netflix's other show about rich people doing bad things Dirty Money Dirty Money yeah you know and it's almost like they're trying to link it uh, mm. to Donald Trump in some way because <laughs> there's a big episode about him but yeah. uh, I don't know I think it should be called Big Pedophile Island because mm. uh, that's essentially what it's about um, yeah. well to say something on uh, positively as well as for Netflix I did Go on to watch when they see us. Oh, um, Ava Duvernay. Ava Duvernay's four part, also four four episodes, yeah. uh, kind of drama series on the Central Park Five, which was very very good. I've heard a lot of good things about that over the last. I think it's been released probably about a year now. 
Maybe uh, I think it's about uh, around a year. Yeah. I think. It was in 2009. So it kind of passed me. But like, I always knew when I came out and heard a lot of good things. Eventually got around to watching it. And that definitely have a lot more positive things to say about that mm. than uh, the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. And it was very, um, the acting is great. It's very well shot. Yeah, it's just a very, and I've, obviously I, w- I would have known a bit about the story, but not a huge amount. So it's, yeah. It's um, especially in Ireland, you know. It's exactly kinda, yeah. It's, it's something that you probably that. heard. Like the Central Park Five is probably something that rings a bell for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, just even by the name of that. And finally, I also watched Hamilton again. Oh, which hot um, damn. which was uh, obviously I was going into it knowing that it was not going to disappoint. Better or worse the second time, Probably. or better I should say not worse, but better or not as good. <laughs> or the same. Yeah. Um. I'd probably say better the first time I watched it. We watched it like the day that we were planning on recording yeah. the episode where you were doing a review. And I felt like, even though I wasn't doing a review, I felt like I had to watch it. Yeah. Whereas this time I sat down, watched it with my dad. He also really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and I was just able to appreciate the uh, the brilliance of it a lot more. Mal- Maloney Sr. toe tapping away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was there particularly because we watched... Uh, we watched Mindhunter together as well. Uh, so Jonathan Groff obviously pops up and I said to him, I think he kind of fell in love with the King. Like he, obviously, he obviously found the King George character quite funny anyway, yeah. but uh, it added a bit of sentimentality from him, I suppose. Good stuff. I actually rewatched the the f- first act of, uh, of Hamilton, or first part, I should say, and fuck me, it's good. It's, uh, yeah, I still have yet to get around to rewatching the second act, but it's just, it doesn't really age, I no. find. Do you know what um, I've also done as well after watching Hamilton again? I've also been hooked on like interviews and YouTube videos oh. of the Hamilton cast. There's yeah, a lot of, because obviously holes. it was released uh, yeah. just under a month, was it the start of July? And a lot of the cast have been doing Zoom interviews yeah. and Zoom sing-alongs and stuff like that. And, yeah, hook it into my veins, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. It's a, it's a good, it's it's pretty wholesome content as well. It is. It's unfortunate. Your man Lin Manuel Miranda has had to take a, a hiatus from Twitter because he was getting such a a heckling, I think, from from the online. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it seems I don't know the full story um, because of the negative side of the negative viewpoint that you're the negative viewpoint. Yeah, like it's uh, you know, this was released back in, what was it, 2015, and then it's since... Yeah. Since then, uh, all the Founding Fathers have been cancelled. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's just the way it goes. I think you might be back at this point, I'm not too sure, but... Um, but yeah, that's a good watching list, I gotta say. Mm. Uh, when They See Us is actually... Uh, Actually, kind of links into what I'm going to be talking about later. Uh, in that, Ava DuVernay or Verney, uh, I'm not too sure. I feel no like Verney is just me putting the Irish twang on it a bit too, a bit too <laughs> much. But uh, uh, she's a big fan um, of Netflix's model. Uh, she did the Thirteenth for them previously. The yes. the documentary about the prison system in America. Um, big believer in streaming services and their abilities to uh, tell stories in their uh, fullest and most comprehensive manners so I'll be getting on to her later but um, me myself I watched some interesting things this week mm-hmm. I finished I May Destroy You for anyone who is out there who uh, has watched it I, I talked to one person who I know listens to this about it like pretty much immediate. they messaged me about something else like immediately once I finished it and I was like oh here I actually can't really talk about that right now because <laughs> this is a bit fucked but uh, it's amazing yeah um, you know, I talked about before, I, I mentioned how, like, it's a, I think I've even talked about this twice, actually, both times I've, I've brought it up, but, like, the whole mystery aspect of it, and the way it deals with consent uh, as a, 
as an element of a character uh, and as a whole kind of plot mystery is genius uh very original and i gotta hand it to michaela cole and um, you're you're gonna be seeing a lot of her i reckon uh because she's just fucking i don't know i kind of like you sit back and you're just like jesus christ that was just tight mm-hmm. everything links up everything is used it's just really it's an example of really really good writing and then after i finished that conversation with the with that person I immediately started watching The Mandalorian. (laughs) So from one tone to another. Um, That was purely because I have uh, Disney Plus for another week or two. And I was like, look, this is on the list. So I'll give it a go. Not a massive Star Wars fan myself. Like, I watch them. But um, it's a lot of crack, I gotta say. The Mandalorian. It's a lot of crack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really like, like, the new trilogy. I liked the first one. It was a bit of crack. Like, it's just a... So my dad is a massive Star Wars fan. And uh, like I'd go to see them with him, and it was fun. The first one was fun. The second one, I could tell he didn't like it, and I also wasn't really sold on it. And then the third one, I went to go see in New York. He wasn't there, um, and I went to go see it with two others, and I left the cinema raging. Like I'm not as like a nerdy like Star Wars like. No, there they. How could you ruin this yeah. for me? It was more just like I pay. An American cinema tickets are pretty expensive. It was like I paid like twenty dollars to just just for a film to think I'm dumb, and like <laughs> like have you seen it? I haven't. No. It's 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 uh, if you want to see uh, an example of a director and scriptwriter pulling shit out their ass <laughs> for the, for two and a half hours, go for it. Like you could make a pretty hardcore drinking game uh, for every time something is pulled out of an ass in this film. It <laughs> is ridiculous. But regardless of that, The Mandalorian is a good buzz because it has a real nice Western buzz to it and uh, mixed with a sci-fi setting. And it just nails that tone quite well. And uh, the action pieces are pretty fun. And Baby Yoda, I think everyone remembers from the memes uh, when it was releasing, is suspiciously cute. <laughs> Like Disney know how to do it. like with the bit they have like algorithms for like how big to make people's like uh, cute characters eyes and stuff like this. Yeah, really, it's fucked up. Uh, they talk about it in a documentary. I forget what it was called, but it's actually there's clips of it on YouTube where they talk about the eyes specifically and like <laughs> the body shape of like if you think about any animal character in Disney films, especially the older ones, and um, before they went to like digital animation, look at the cute ones, look at the eyes, and look at the the kind of toddler-like body on a lot of them. It just invites scepticism. But then at the same time, you're like, holy fuck, this thing is really cute. cute. So... <laughs> fuck the scepticism. <laughs> this thing is cute. Disney might win this round. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's kind of everything I've been watching this week. It's uh, It's been a nice one. It's been going from like having my mind blown to just pure comfort uh, watching. So... Good enough buzz. Nice mixture. Yeah, so uh, enough, enough about us and our watching habits. Uh... Let's get on with the show here. We've got a mix of things coming up. Um, Connor, I believe you have a review. Um, I do. I'll be taking a look at the new Netflix film, mm. The Old Guard, starring mm. um, Charlize Theron. Theron? Theron. Theron? Theron. Charlize Theron. You sure? Uh, it's definitely not Theron. <laughs> I, I think I heard in an interview before her explain, explaining her name, and it sounded a lot more closer to like, like throne, not uh, throne. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll just call her Charlize. Charlize. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Charlize's this new film. Charlize's. Mm. That's, even more difficult to, <laughs> that's even more difficult to say. Um, the Old Guard. The Old Guard. Is the name of the film. Yeah. By Netflix. <laughs> They're all easy words to say. Um, and then for some news, another death. We keep covering deaths. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, people keep dying. People uh, do keep dying. <laughs> not to put a morbid spin on it, but... Um, yeah, there's there's been a, a death, not like a not of a massive Hollywood star, but of uh, this one actually kind of hit me personally. It is Grant uh, Imahar. I'll be I'll be talking Imahara, sorry, I should say, uh, of MythBusters fame. Uh, I'll be talking a little bit about him. Uh, we also have uh, some political reportage uh, this week as the Ukrainian president uh, was kidnapped, and Joaquin Phoenix has well, something no, to do with was, it. He wasn't well, kidnapped. He was held hostage. Sorry. No, other, pe- other people were held hostage. Okay, so... And the, the demands were made of the president. Right. Okay, well... well here, uh, listen, here. We'll, we'll get to that. I'll inform you <laughs> uh, later on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'll find out what's what there. And then there's also a bit of talk uh, to be had about streaming services. Um, we're going to dip into that. I've been thinking a lot about UPC boxes lately, so uh, <laughs> we're we're going to dive into that and what streaming services have to do with that. And then, of course, there is this week's head-to-head. So that's all to get to. Uh, we'll start off with uh, the old guard uh, by that who stars that actress whose name we the actress we won't dare say. But what do you think, Melanie? Yeah. So the old guard. It's the new film by Gina Prince. Build a wood. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> uh, pronunciations are going to be difficult this week. There's a few people's names further down that I'm going to struggle with. But um, anyway, yeah, Gina Prince, I'll call it from now on. I didn't recognise much of her previous work. She's done a couple of films. Um, one thing that did pop out was an episode of Everybody Hates Chris, oh, um, which is really the only thing. There's a few other films I feel like have gotten recognition before, but nothing I've recognised. The screenplay is written by a guy named Greg Rucker. Um, he also wrote the graphic novel series for which the film was based on mm. so adapted his own work the film starts off kind of similar to Goodfellas in the wow. sense that um, you're kind of jumped into the I, want, I always wanted to be a gangster yeah but anyway <laughs> you have you have Charlize's uh, voiceover in the middle of a scene that you will see further on in the uh, in the film mm. so the premise of the film is a team of I want to call them vigilantes Mercenaries. Mercenaries? Yeah. You call them? Mercenary. Vigilant mercenaries. Vigilant mercenaries. Yeah. Uh, led by Charlize. Um, it starts off with them regrouping in Morocco to discuss a new job. They decide to go ahead with the job, which is located in Sudan, only to find out that it's a big, fat setup. Mm. And then we are back to the opening scene. The opening scene is them lying face down, mostly face down, completely covered in bullet holes. Mm. Um, we then discover that this is a team of not just mercenaries, but immortal mercenaries. While they set out a plan to track down the people behind the setup, a new immortal comes to light in the form of Kiki Lane. That's an easy name to say, mm-hmm. who plays the character of Nile. She must be retrieved and then integrated into the group. And following her retrieval, this is a clip of her asking all the Probably all the questions that you would be asking if you'd just been told that you are immortal. Mm. How are you all in my dreams? We dream of each other. They stop when we meet. It used to take years to track a new one. Booker was the last. 1812. No way. Yeah, I died fighting with Napoleon. So, you're even older than him. Mm. 
Nikki and I met in the Crusades. The Crusades? The love of my life was of the people I've been told to hate. <laughs> we... We killed each other. Many times, yeah. <laughs> You're the oldest. Yeah. Well, how old are you? Old. How old? Too old. So yeah, following on from that clip, the film kind of takes on two different angles. Um, one is trying to teach and integrate the new person into the group, Kiki Lane's character, and then the other side of things is resisting capture from the from the people who basically want to exploit their genes for scientific research and mainly for profit. There's probably an equal amount of things about the film that I like, and then there's also <laughs> probably the same amount of things that I dislike about <laughs> the film. I'll Start off with a couple of positives. I thought the ensemble cast was good. Starting off with Charlize mm-hmm. um, as Andy. I don't know about you. Um, I do find her, not in just the film, but I do find sometimes her kind of hardened, tough love, uh, stone-faced character can kind of come across a bit wooden at times. Charlize. Charlize, yeah. Uh, how, like, have you seen this sort of thing in other? The one I can think of most recently is Bombshell. Where she plays Megan Kelly, uh, I think. I haven't seen it. The Fox News I'm only, scandal. I, can't, I don't really know too much that she's... Like, the last thing I think I saw her in was uh, Mad Max. And yes. she was pretty Well, class. she was brilliant in that, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it it works fine here. I just find at times it can be, like, a bit... I suppose her character... She is trying to play a character, like, without emotion, in a way. Yeah. I felt like she just didn't have enough time to to play with it. You okay. Know? But yeah, the, like the rest of the cast is great. You have Kiki Lane as Niall. Mm. Um, I believe she was in If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, um, yes. I was wondering where I knew her Barry from. Barry Jenkins' yeah, film, yeah, 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 from a couple of years ago. You also have a couple of names that are going to be struggling to pronounce. Mm. <laughs> um, the rest of the group are made up by Marwan Kanzari and Luca Marinelli, who played Joe and Nikki, respectively. Mm-hmm. And I think they're probably my favourite characters out of the five. Uh, they're pretty funny. They're heartwarming. Um they, uh, I found when watching it that all the characters in that group that aren't Charlize, they're just like actors. You're like, oh yeah, I don't know what you're in, but uh, I recognize you're it. in something. Like all of them, every, like without fail, all four <laughs> of them. Like uh, another positive or another thing that I found that I did like about the film, the action sequences are done quite well. Pretty solid. Well choreographed, well edited together, mm. um, quite enjoyable. Similar enough to I remember I always said that about John Wick. I don't think they're at that level. No, probably not. But yeah. I it's still good. So yeah, definitely well put together. I thought the premise of the film was quite good as well. The idea, a few different things going on with the obviously the integration of the new member of the group, and then you're kind of fighting off the the villains of the of the film. Yeah. So you kind of have aspects of X Men, I suppose, and there was like a similar tone to Logan as well. Do you remember? Did you watch Logan? Uh, yeah, kind of the grizzled superhero aspect yeah. of it kind of fed up with life sort of yeah, shit yeah. the anti-hero exactly yeah yeah um, the setting it's like the premise in regards to like immortal stuff is right up my alley uh, as well because I'm a I'm a, I'm a sucker for uh, like kind of a, a bit of a sci-fi spin on historical fiction mm-hmm. which this is kind of ripe for you know obviously they don't really address it in this but perhaps in future iterations yeah to balance it out I thought there was again this film Definitely have potential, particularly mm. with the premise, as we just talked about there. I think it's a good premise, but there's just too many things that I really didn't like about it. Mm. And normally with these types of films, you kind of you let it go 
I yeah. just couldn't. Oh. The first thing that pissed me off basically the music choices. The music oh, in the bad. film is terrible. Shockingly bad. I mean like it's going out of its way to like to make you go who is in charge of this? The, who is getting the, money? The fight scene in the like towards the end where someone is crawling and there's like there's a female R&B yes song. yeah yeah and or just a, a R&B song led by a female I should say. But like and it's just not it's so tonally I feel like that might be covid though. Part of me is kind of suspicious. It's like, is it because they didn't have like centralized studio access that it was kind of done over like uh, remote telecommunication? These decisions, like, I'm kind of wondering. And you feel things got lost in translation about what, like, what exactly they wanted to, to yeah, film. Yeah, like because like, they're able to pump these films out when they're just going straight to to streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I feel like maybe that is what happened. You know, it's hard to tell. Potentially, yeah. See, I. I'll let, I'll let everybody in a little secret. I watch pretty much every film with subtitles because uh, my ears don't work so good. Mm. So anytime the music came on, it generally gives me like in brackets the description of the type of music. And a couple of, I, I wrote down one or two. It's like upbeat electronic music playing oh, yeah. or electro pop some of them music are, playing. Some of them are honestly like the trailer music that autoplay on, uh, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, but it's like it's playing at a time where it's just not suited at all. Like, yeah. And then there's, there's also another thing where I feel like somebody has sat down and literally typed into like Spotify or typed into like, you know, music lyric generator, mm. describing the emotions or what's going on yeah. in the film. And then they found a, they found a song that matches the words. Mm. So basically before like the big finale at the end, before the big fight scene, the song playing is going down fighting. Mm. That's what it's called. I'm pretty sure it starts off with that. If I'm going down, I'm going down with a fight. Yeah. I mean, like, do your job better. Yeah. You know? It's Put a bit generic. more time. And then at the end as well, there's a there's a song. It's pretty familiar. I think it's by Khalid. Yeah. Silence. And it opens. And this is after the big fight scene. And yeah. things have happened without giving anything away. The song starts by saying, yeah, I'd rather be a lover than a fighter. Because all my life I've been fighting. I mean, like, again... It's yeah. Put more hours into your work. Yeah. <laughs> this could yeah. be done so much. Like this, this, these are the things that just piss me off. Um, <laughs> put put it on Spotify Shuffle and be like, ah, yeah. literally anything that'll do. do. Anything yeah. will do. There is one include. I presume you obviously heard it. The inclusion of Frank Ocean. Um, the jarring. When I heard it, I was like, oh, Frank Ocean. Just the use of it kind of like piqued my interest, and then I kind of thought about it. And I was like, no, this is fucking as you said, jarring, and it's just. Very frustrating. I was actually also surprised to hear a Frank Ocean song because I remember reading there's an A24 film called Waves, which uh, yeah, is about teenagers. And I think actually a lot of Frank Ocean's catalogue is in that film. Uh, okay. And I remember reading that it was actually kind of hard to get him to sign off. Really? On the rights. Yeah, a mm. little bit. He had to like, he was pretty involved, I'm pretty sure, in that they like explained what the whole thing is about and why this music specifically is linked to it. Okay. And I just don't know how... Probably the most persuasive person in the world must have done that to, to get Frank to Ocean get in the old guard. I wonder, but, uh, I wonder who did it for uh, Normal People. I think he was included in... Was he? Yeah, oh, he was at the house party, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was a song of his playing at the house party. Maybe he's gotten more lax. Yeah. I don't know. Or I he's mean, a big Sally Rooney fan. One, one day it's Normal People, which is probably more warranted, and then the next yeah. day he's like, fuck it, the old guard, you can have it. You can have my music. <laughs> once once it's done, but, um, the seal is broken. Yeah, like as I said, the the movie has potential, but the music choices are the first thing that just took me out completely. Thinking this is, like, the whole idea that you 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 would have heard from the clip earlier. The whole idea is that these people have been around for 
hundreds of years. Thousands. And thousands of years. And like the the choice of music just doesn't really match that. Like if you're trying to think like these people have lived for so long and in a way they're like they're they have an age, they're timeless. Yeah. This music is very much of its time. Yeah. And re- and it's like it's not my buzz. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's why it doesn't sit right with yeah. me. But it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. They could have done some interesting things with like some uh you know, it's become it's a big thing in like Westworld and I know Watchmen did it as well, this kind of uh, anachronistic covers. So like uh, a modern song in an old style, you know. There was some okay. possibly some room for that. Definitely, I actually yeah. I came across not a, a HBO led version of this the other day, which caught my eye. It was called uh, Tavern Core. Uh or Tavern Wave, sorry. <laughs> Tavern Wave or Bard Core, which was a, a version of uh Shakira's hips don't lie in a medieval fashion and it popped yeah (laughs) it popped pretty hard that sounds like it could be so they could have gone I I get you there's there's room for inventiveness there I mean I think even early on the film there's a when Charlize's character and Booker I think is the character's name they're going to find out about the job um, at the very start of the film and they're in Marrakesh Marrakesh yeah and there's like a wide shot I'm walking through like the markets and it's just like that probably sounds terrible but like that's that's what it sounds like hey that's what it was like and I was like this is I don't know the other thing that just took me away from all the positives of the film and usually like comic book films can kind of get away with this but this time it's just a few too many was the cheesy one liners there's just rampant I want to say one too many there's like ten too many yeah there's a few weird one not weird one but like you know typical superhero films yeah but like just take it out like you know yeah. it doesn't need to be sometimes you can say a lot more with just silence or like a fa- like a facial expression but yeah. in this film they choose to go the other way and just speak literally everything they're saying um, or everything they're thinking I kind of wonder if there's like a certain age where you start to love those though you know like my dad loves my dad well like it's when those one-liners are cracked, it's like an invita- invitation to have a conversation. Do you know? He's like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, didn't he tell him? You know, like it's, I kind of wonder, will, will that be me? You know? yeah. Will that be you one day? One thing that I've kind of left in both columns as to whether I like or dislike, the villain of this film, Merrick, mm. um, played by Harry Mellon, who's all we recognise from Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, who plays Dudley Dursley. Yeah. The, uh, Ungrateful little twat. <laughs> mm. um, he's Harry. also he's also in um, this guy is getting role cast uh, as a twat. He's also in his Dark Materials. Oh as, yeah, as a big twat. Oh really? Yeah, big bureaucratic twat. The reason I can't figure out if I if it's a positive or negative is like he's really irritating mm. and really just very frustrating. So that's something like I can't even I can't figure out. Does he play his role well? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think he was like kind of based off. Do you know Martin Shkreli? I'm not. He's familiar. like a scumbag pharma executive. I feel like he was kind of based off him. Okay. Um, like he's a pretty easy to hate villain. Um, oh, like it's a yeah very I, easy to hate. Yeah. I, I quite liked how they didn't try to make him nuanced. Like, <laughs> which like every film tries to do now. Do you know? They were literally like this is like. This guy sucks. Typical villain, like, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the way you say he's, like, a typical villain, like, easy to hate. He kind of reminded me of the... I'm not sure if it's Toy Story or Toy Story 2. Do you know the, the like, evil kid who lives next door? Yeah. He likes to burn things? Because this guy, like... He used to sleep with his hand hanging out at the bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always remember that. But, like, this guy, Merrick, is just kind of built as, you know, the grown-up 
child kind of yeah, I like do a, feel a like lot, he has a lot, a lot of immaturity. Like, yeah, a you, lot of these CEOs are grown-up children. That's true. You know, like a lot of them are used to getting everything. Do you know? Yeah. So I think I thought I thought he did his job well enough. Well enough. Uh, like again, there's on there's a certain standard of this film, you know, <laughs> and I think I actually thought the standard was kind of consistent throughout in how it was like the standard being like I. Uh, don't be coming expecting too much. You okay. know, like I kind of knew that straight from the get-go. Uh, even the poster isn't that good. Uh, not to judge. Well, actually, I do judge things by their posters, so <laughs> I will. But I don't know. I wouldn't watch this um, in its entirety uh, in my pa- in my spare time. Uh, like I no. it, but at the same time, I can see a real pleasure to be derived from watching this uh, when you're brain dead. So. There's something to be said for it. It's very like it's a great film to fall asleep to. I'd say <laughs> that's an. You know. Put that on the poster. Eh? Yeah, yeah. It, it, like it might sell better. Well, it's yeah. not selling. It's on streaming services. But um, just a point of interest here. When I went to go watch it on Netflix, I was scanning through. I heard because one of the headlines um, was that it was in the top ten list. Netflix's new top ten list, which I think we discussed before, and which we call bullshit. And uh, I took note of what the top 10 list was uh, when I went to go watch this. The Old Guard was number 10, by the way. Very last one. But uh, number one, we got Fierce City, New York versus the Mafia. Obviously, Netflix loves crime. So that's, of course, at the top. You got Cursed, which is the new one from... Uh, it's like a medieval King Arthur. You got Down to Earth, Zac Efron's travel show, which I watched one episode of last weekend. How was it? Delightful. <laughs> Just hit the... Like, it's just fine. Like, it's not good. It's not... Well, it's not bad. It's not amazing, I should say. It's grand. It's, uh... Where was he? He's in Iceland. Yeah. Um, checking out their uh, geothermal heating. But he has this mate. This, was, like, was Will Ferrell there screaming at a pond? Unfortunately not. <laughs> screaming before, into, into the geysers. Uh, or the geysers. No, but he has this mate who's just, like, an enthusiastic man <laughs> who lives very healthily. And this guy is, like... Awe and wonder for life is just... I was watching it really hungover. (laughs) And I was just eating a chicken... A big greasy chicken fillet roll. And Zac Efron was just like, wow. And this is entirely renewable? Yes, Zac. This is all renewable. And his mate was like, oh my God. And it's just... It was really nice. But anyway, we got the business of drugs after Zac Efron. We've got (laughs) Indian matchmaking at number five. Unsolved Mysteries... Which again, more crime kind of. Why does anyone want to watch unsolved mysteries? They're not yeah. going to solve them. Like you know, there's no payoff at the end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. It's like it's like these crime podcasts that like just tell you the crime. It's, yeah, man, I could have read the headline, you know. <laughs> but then there's fatal affair. We got stateless. We got number nine in all caps, MILF, uh, which <laughs> really caught me off guard. And then we have, of course, the old guard. So I don't know anyone watching these shows. No. Um, but clearly they're out there. Clearly they are. I saw a few people watching Zac Efron. I'd recommend Zac. It's kind of weird. I watched that and then I watched an episode of Anthony Bourdain. Because um, I no, thought, yeah. okay, this could be an interesting uh, collision. And miles apart. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's worth a little visit. Well, uh, no, I suppose going back to the old guard, it's interesting. Netflix have also released a top 10 films of all time. Again, they're releasing kind of figures that are 
catering to their benefit basically they only like, release them when they have good news they've only they only release figures when it's like positively affects on them and what was the stipulation again that you only had to watch two minutes so they count a view as watching two minutes yeah and this is based off the f- how it performs in the first four weeks of release yes um, and I believe the old guard is going to slip into that quite comfortable well, based on Netflix's um, projections yeah I don't which, know how they're doing which that which are probably going to be again you know flattering and even if they are overhyped and you probably won't find out the, the the truth behind it in the end. Yeah. But um I feel like there's a trend, kind of just a lot of action films. Um, yeah. I think uh, Chris Hemsworth's film is number one. Yep. Yeah, Extraction film in Bangladesh. This one's set in a couple of different places. You know, yeah. you have Sudan and Morocco and France as well. There's definitely a trend, definitely in lockdown as well. I feel people are just looking for... You know, you don't see Farn. You don't see like it's Roma this. or Uncle Gems or films yeah. like those on on that list. To be fair, they are a little bit more uh, inaccessible. But it's funny you mentioned trends because I actually noticed there's another trend here yeah. in that more than half of the films uh, that are on this top ten list released in lockdown. Really? Yes. So we got Extraction in April. We got Spencer Confidential, which was in March. We've got uh, The Wrong Missy, which was in May. We've got The Platform, which is in March. And we've got The Perfect Date, which was in April. Sorry, it's just half that were released in lockdown. But I got another one. There's the other two uh, that weren't in those five were released around Christmas time. Uh, when everyone's indoors. And that was Bird Box, uh, which I remember two years ago, my Twitter feed comprising solely of uh, tweets about and Six Underground, which is another... It's the Ryan Reynolds action flick. So yeah. it's definitely... Another action flick, is it? Yeah, so like this is a very recent... A lot of these are very recent. Yeah. I'd be more interested to know what wasn't there... Before lockdown. Yeah, or yeah. what was there before lockdown. Um, Like The Wrong Missy, that film looks god-awful. <laughs> it's David Spade's new comedy. Uh, it looks terrible. The only kind of... It's interesting as well, like you mentioned action... The only kind of heavy artistic film, I guess you could call it, is The Irishman that's on this. Yes. And I feel the, I think, uh, of any figures that they released previously in this kind of area, to qualify, people had to watch 70% of the film. Really? Yeah. Whereas now it's just uh, two minutes. So you feel like that definitely caters to oh my God. the three, hour, three hours. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours of The Irishman. They obviously, oh. they obviously felt like 70% of the film was not going to be watched by the majority, so... That's they insane. Chopped it down to two, like two minutes yeah, is no, the fucking like, trailer. Like, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. Like they make the rules. Yeah, you know. So I think basically what we're saying is we'll take nothing from this. Well, there's, there's obviously trends, setting, but because they are so tailored towards their interests and what they want to project about them, you know, yeah, about their content, there's probably we won't spend too much time. I think it's. I think it's spe- a lot of this speaks to though uh, just how craving people are for content uh, <laughs> with recognisable faces specifically like if you look like five of those were in lockdown um, and I think all of them had or pretty much most of them had um, recognisable faces uh, the big one being Spencer Confidential which I watched more than two minutes of uh, <laughs> and I regret uh, while I was still in New York you haven't seen it I no? haven't seen it it's no. Mark Wahlberg it's yeah. big Big problematic Mark Wahlberg <laughs> uh, being a cop with nothing to lose uh, after he assaulted another cop and went to prison. 
and it's really dumb. <laughs> it's ah, uh, there's one scene. Oh my god, there's one scene where he's like at a job, like training session, and he's just like writing in his notes. Who like it's real old school Grizzle Cop. Who killed him? Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> underline. 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 And it's just. I don't know. It's uh, again, it's, again. These are all very easy films to watch, with the exception of yeah. the Irishman. You know. So yeah, final thoughts on the old guard. Where does that fit into the? Um, I fucked it. Did the things like, that, did the things that bothered me bother you as much? I just rode the wave. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the last hour was very much on in the background. <laughs> uh, I was doing other things. It was still fine. Like, like just don't expect anything amazing. I think when you're watching something like this, it's also. If it was to get some serious criticisms in there, it's it has source material. Mm-hmm. There's places it can go. The story they told with this first one it seems to be a highly important one uh, within this universe based off the things that happen uh, in regards to lore and whatever. I feel like this, this is such an easy complaint to be made or, or criticism or point to, to, to put out there is that I just don't think it should have been a film. I think it should have been a TV show. The characters could have benefited from having a bit more space to breathe and like this is an incredibly interesting concept like mm-hmm. these people don't die they have to live with guilt and other people's deaths and these things for centuries and millennia and they just don't anytime they touch on this it's really ham-fisted in this film and I feel like this is a, such an interesting idea that it needs more space or at least like a well-paced plot yeah. <laughs> you know so I don't know it's fine if they're able to majorly improve it for the second one, which there will be, without those viewing numbers and with yeah. the way they end it. And the way they end it, I feel that there's, there's no question that there's going to be a, yeah. a sequel. I'll keep my eye out. But once again, I had no intention of watching this. I had heard the action sequences were amazing. I had heard the John Wick comparison. I didn't believe them going in. And like I wasn't upset or disappointed. I was just uh, whelmed. Uh, <laughs> not over or under, just whelmed. Uh, when I came out of it you're coming out with some one-liners to put on that poster there we go (laughs) (laughs) there's another one for you yeah yeah similar to myself I think overall there's a lot to like about the film but um, let's hope for better in the uh, in the sequel in the in the new guard yeah in the new guard yeah so that's the old guard then and moving on to our our news and uh, our news and discussion segment here there's a death this week as we mentioned earlier Grant Imahara of Mythbuster fame I mentioned I, I said earlier that he like he's not a massive star he didn't like redefine the wheel or whatever or invent the wheel I should say or <laughs> or, or do anything like that uh, in regards to Hollywood but uh, for me personally he was actually I was actually quite sad when I heard about this oh yeah quite sad you know you see a lot of these celebrity deaths and they just kind of pass over you like rain you know like it's you don't know these people um, and you also often I've had to Google these people but this guy I don't know it's just really uh, I used to always watch Mythbusters always with my dad or my brother and you know this guy was just really nice on the show (laughs) like did you watch it at all? I never really watched Mythbusters no he was just a good dude he was kind of the guinea pig I think is what they called him and his whole thing was that he uh, he like they test things on him and when (laughs) they couldn't test it on him for safety reasons he'd like build a robot or something for for it to be tested on. I'll, I'll give you a brief. I'll give you the brief story of him. He he started off. Um, he was forty nine and he died of a brain aneurysm uh, quite suddenly, unfortunately. And he uh, he started off in life. Um, he started off in his career studying electrical engineering in California. 
but while he was in that degree, he always grappled with this idea of, oh, fuck engineering. I, I, <laughs> I love it, but I want to be a screenwriter. Like, that's where my heart is set. And he kind of found a way to combine the two of them when he got a postgrad uh, opportunity at like a Lucasfilm-owned studio called THX, uh-huh. which did a lot of effect work for, for different films. And he actually went on to work doing like models and animatronic robots for like uh, The Matrix... Uh, all the Star Wars prequels, uh, Van Helsing, Terminator 3, these big kind of actiony mm. movies. And then from there, one of his like co- previous colleagues, uh, Carrie, I think her name was, or Tori, I think her name was, um, she was in Mythbusters and she was like, hey, we need a robot guy. Uh, come on in. And then he went in and yeah, he uh, he just had a really good time. He's just a really nice guy. Like, I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. He... Um, he was really nice on those shows and I always had time for him and there was a really touching tribute written by his two co-stars. I think it's published in Variety and oh God, uh, one guy talking about how he's the nicest guy in the world and so nice that he let his dog, this this guy's dog, not Grant's dog, Grant let this guy's dog lick the insides of his mouth, (laughs) which is disgusting, but you you (laughs) can tell a lot about a person about how they interact with animals, you know. Uh, That's true. Obviously, that's a bit of a creepy one, (laughs) but I don't know. This guy, I just just have a a lot of good memories watching him, Uh, and I know my family does as well, so I was quite sad to hear of his passing, Uh, but R.I.P., Grant Dimihara will uh, will pour out some safety regulated popcorn uh, (laughs) for for yourself but uh, that's this week's uh, obituary Um, but moving on I believe you have a a bit of news a bit of international news yeah I tell you this this job has landed me in places I never thought (laughs) I'd be Um, something that caught well both of our eyes this week Um, a very strange headline and it doesn't even become any more clear if you when you read the the article that follows but mm. um on Tuesday of this week so Tuesday the 21st of July mm. in Matthias show is well, full not. of words yeah. that I just cannot <laughs> yeah. pronounce I'm going to say Lutsk Ukraine mm. Ukraine a bus was seized by an armed man and he then went on to hold 13 passengers on board as hostages mm. until his demands were met the, and what were his demands? Yeah, well, he was identified uh, after the whole saga as Maxim Krivosh, mm. um, but under the nickname of Maxim the Bad. Oh. Uh, on Twitter, he posted his manifesto. The first few things were basically an attack at the government. He wanted members of parliament and leaders of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church to post messages saying, I am a legal terrorist. And for basically the government to admit to being a terrorist organisation. Mm-hmm. But his main demand that, that caught the eye and why it was being reported um, on Variety and New York Times and all that, his main demand was that the country's president, whose name I'm not Here going we go. to try and pronounce. <laughs> Here we go. Volodymyr, Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky, yeah. So Maxim Debad demanded that the president publicly endorse the film Earthlings. Which, if you give a quick Google search, is a 2005 documentary which is narrated by none other than Sinn Féin representative Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) The film, I haven't seen the film myself, but uh, just based off the short bio, it basically examines the use of suffering animals in industrial agriculture and scientific research. Which is obviously something that Joaquin Phoenix is pretty involved in over the last... um, well, this is 2005, the last last 20 years, I'd say. Mm. Um, Obviously dedicated his Oscar speech 
of yeah. this year to um, to highlight in stuff in that area. So following on from this, the reaction from the president was to do pretty much as he was demanded. He posted a video to Facebook basically saying, no more, no less. Everybody watched the 2005 film Earthlings. <laughs> Nothing else. It is also reported that Maxim the Bad showed the documentary to his hostages on the bus. So it's obviously something that was very, very close to him. Uh, we wanted to get his message out there as urgently as possible. The hostage taker eventually let go of the people on the bus after I think it was around 12 hours he kept them on the bus so probably could have showed showed them the documentary more than once um, (laughs) in that 12 hour period Um, and then the president once the hostages were released he went and deleted the post Um, classic replacing the post with just a note thanking the police and everybody involved for helping the situation and he kind of comes back with that but it's just in the really crazy headlines they come across it's absolutely insane I had to do about four different takes uh, to catch up with reality when I saw this on Twitter <laughs> uh, it's insane try and make a movie out of that you know, <laughs> like try like phone booth try yeah. <laughs> try like th- this, like, is, f- this is where we are phone with ransom and, s- and speed demand. kind of combined yeah like ridiculous um, makes you wonder uh, what Irish leaders would do in that situation like let's say uh what what would they pick? Let's say you were taken kidnapped, and uh, I was taken kidnapped. You were you were kidnapped, and it was pushed upon Michal Martin to say, "Mrs. Brown's boys is the most culturally significant creative output Ireland has ever seen." What's happening there? Are you are you getting popped, Connor, or is Michal coming to save the day? That'd be a tough pill for me to swallow <laughs> <laughs> to be fair he might like it he's in that age range but where those one liners are getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a Venn diagram Him, there himself my dad your dad waiting <laughs> to be made yeah and it, us yeah. soon enough but yeah final piece of news you've had a, a couple of fascinations in the last couple of weeks reality TV was what struck you the last time out this yeah. time your UPC box my UPC box has, has been, been has been talking to you living rent free in my head <laughs> for the last while and um, there's been a few things going on in my head in regards to streaming services, and I think you can call you can call UPC cable TV, can't you? I think I think that's probably the closest we'll get, or like Sky or whatever. But I'm gonna be talking about American companies here, so I'm gonna just refer to it as cable. But uh, yeah, so a few a few things have been swirling. So I mentioned before, I'm house sitting at the moment, and there is a UPC box there, and I was like, fucking hell, these people are gone, and they're paying probably over hundred quid. Uh, for their UPC box, uh, their Wi-Fi and their phone all bundled together. I wouldn't pay that. I don't even watch UPC. I would never pay that. So sorry, I got started thinking about the future of when I have my own place, have my own TV, and I have my own potential. Uh, I have my own space for a TV box. Your own choices. Yes, this is the thing. And I was wondering, I was like, Jesus Christ, why why would I ever do that? Um, And that's been kind of... but then at the same time, there is a value of just having TV. Um, do you know what I mean? But I, I was questioning the uh, the longevity of it and the place it would have. Secondly, I've also been uh, questioning the place of streaming services in my life at the moment. <laughs> uh, not a good spot to be doing a, a film and television uh, podcast, I tell you. But basically, I ended up in a situation where I subscribed to about four of them uh, at the same time. And I was like, Jesus, okay, right. I, I need to cut down now. Um, <laughs> so I cut it down to one and purely now TV going forward until I finish The Sopranos. Oh, I might, okay. might watch The Wire after that and really, 
really dip into that uh, toxic masculinity <laughs> of the of the Audis. But uh, yeah, and that's been kind of laying on my mind a bit again, money and, and content. And then finally this week, the culmination of uh, kind of a, a big movement in streaming services, Peacock launched this week which is the latest streaming service to come it's it's purely in america at the moment and it is essentially it's a like a who is it again it's cbs is it let me just double check it's nbc sorry uh peacock by nbc yeah and it's basically a streaming service that like it's for that channel and all the channels they own and it consolidates all their programming uh, into one place and this was kind of the last streaming service that was due to launch a high-profile streaming service, I should say, that's due to launch uh, 2019-2020. Just launched uh, during the same week that a story ran, a head story ran in Variety saying that a record number of people have been cutting their cable cords in America. Millions, in fact. Um, Like, over 12 million, I think. Like, there's been a drop of over 12 million in the last 10 years, I think. Whereas Netflix has gained over 50 million subscribers. In the last in the same years. space time, so there's a there's a paradigm shift coming, um, is what I'm feeling, and I figured it might be a good time to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously constantly talk about streaming services, but we haven't really done a deep dive into what their buzz is and what they could possibly become, because mm-hmm. uh, they're not going to be like this forever. They are very like relatively quite cheap entertainment options, um, but there's so many of them at this stage. There's kind of bound to be a change. So I figured. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to finish up talking about the UBC box. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about it far too much at this rate. But yeah, so like the beginning of it, everyone kind of knows how Netflix started at this point. Like it was a, a DVD rental website um, that rose to prominence once it started streaming. Uh, that was really the first big movement in the streaming services. There's also Amazon Prime Video quickly followed up. And this is really the advent of data-led content creation in regards to film and television. You know, there's the the kind of mythic story now about House of Cards, which hasn't really aged so well, um, about how, you know, Netflix's data said that people who like Kevin Spacey also really like political thrillers. Let's combine them together. House of Cards is rights, the UK version, uh, its rights were up for sale, so they got them and put it out. There's also the lesser-known story about how Stranger Things came to be, uh, which was Netflix realised there was this huge gap in the market uh, uh, and there was this massive desire for higher production and higher budget uh, young adult-centric programming. Obviously from both young adults and nostalgic adults, uh, or old nostalgic older adults, I should say. So it was really that was really kind of the main hook, as well as the convenience that it offers and the cheapness compared to other things and the, the variety of shows and, tele- and and films you get on it. That was really the whole buzz off it. I mentioned earlier we're now in second generation and what this means is that we're past the likes of Netflix and Amazon making a name for themselves and we're now getting into these like competitors who are really struggling from what we can tell to gain a foothold in the industry. Uh, There's the likes of Quibi, which we've talked to death about, uh, which is also dying a slow death. Not at our hands. But But the CEO is still positive. He's still still positive. But I know I read a thing about it today and it's like Quibi's best marketing has been a series of viral tweets slagging it uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they recently this week added uh, a screenshot function to their app uh, hopefully that will you're, you're probably going to see a lot more about Quibi on your feeds by people but like you're not you can't do it by pressing your own buttons it has to be their specific button 
which yeah. is a, it's awkward but it's quibi you know hbo has one called hbo max which is a hbo was bought by at&t so it's called like warner brothers media now and it's all their shows so it's like it's top class stuff like the wire and also more kind of normal stuff as well mm-hmm. um and game shows as well um which is an interesting thing to be putting beside the sopranos and what else we got apple tv uh disney plus and um, sorry hulu was in the first wave as well uh, i should mention but now there's also these like really niche ones like there's a uh, oh, i have a list of them here you're gonna like these now connor uh, <laughs> there's one called crunchyroll okay that is reference to sushi and it's all for anime there is one called Magellan, uh, which is purely for like historical documentaries. There's one called Pongalo, which is for telenovelas. Um, there's one called Aero Cinema, which is purely for aviation related documentaries. And then there's also Shudder, which is purely for horror and slasher films. And then there is Horse Lifestyle TV, which is purely for equine, equine themed content. And it features such thing as Marvin, the tap dancing horse. Uh, <laughs> is that a show or just a, it sounds like a 10 second video that might pop up on YouTube or something. It's yeah. Like that sounds like a, like Kirstie's home videos, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. but um, yeah, so there's this real diversity out there now. Mm-hmm. And there's a maturation of the industry now where you have these, like, I guess you could call them veterans, 10 year veterans. Netflix and Amazon and now you have these new up-and-comers some of which are really well established like HBO or Peacock where there's loads of money behind them and now you're in this weird situation where a lot of people who are working in Hollywood might be asked by journalists hey would you ever consider uh, setting up your own streaming service like the head of uh, programming at A24 my favourite film studio Mm -hmm. uh, was asked and he said no unless you have billions and billions and billions of dollars behind you at this point there is really no point in doing it at all because the market is far too saturated and Mm -hmm. you're just going to be left out in the cold and you're going to get fucked over if you're not good enough just like Quibi yeah so if that's the point we're at now what does it mean going forward so Mm -hmm. some of these will probably be consolidated is the theory and consolidation and reclamation is the big themes I've noticed <laughs> when researching this. So I'll start off not with the corporate stuff, but more so with the content side. We've already noticed a difference in terms of content. I would argue in regards to streaming, you know, it, le- it allowed for a lot more adventurous things to come out. Mm-hmm. Like there's a show on Amazon called forever, which it's central idea isn't revealed until like two or three episodes in. There's shows like Bojack Horseman, which started off as a real stupid, jokey show and evolved into a pretty touching portrayal of depression and how toxic celebrity culture is. Or you have the likes of Maniac, which is one of my favourite Netflix shows, um, (laughs) which is off the wall and was literally just throwing shit in a blender. This team, this tone, will also put this genre in here. I will throw another one in and let's fucking drink this down. (laughs) And it's good. it's really good and you get this real nice variation of what a television show can be uh, and kind of an evolution from what it was meant to be when it was dominated by what advertisers uh, were okay with putting their stuff beside. And you actually have people commenting on that. Um, I have a couple of quotes here from a fella called Nick Weidenfeld. He is a man who develops scripts with writers and then sells these scripts to uh, bidding studios. And this guy is a treasure trove of good quotes about what is going on with the industry now. And as he reckons, what you're going to see content-wise is the great era of reclamation, where 
as more and more TV channels and stations set up their own streaming services like HBO Max and Peacock, you're going to see all these shows being pulled back uh, from Netflix, let's say. That's why Friends is no longer there. And put on these. Mm -hmm. So you're going to end up in a situation where it's very binary. You either have this or you don't, or it's over there. Yeah. Sorry, that's tree. That's yeah. trinary. <laughs> uh, but it's going to end up where you'll only have Netflix originals, possibly. Which essentially really just sounds like a TV station. Yeah. So you're going to be coming full circle there. You also have this idea that multiple streaming services will be bought up. And, and piled into one. Yeah. And the fear is that you're going to end up with a Disney situation where you have five massive brands under mm -hmm. one umbrella and they control everything. Uh, like like they do in film, you know, mm -hmm. like they can make a break. David, I don't know if you know this, they have a contract with, I think in America, I don't know if it is here, but they have to keep films in. Any Disney film has to be in the cinema for 14 weeks, which could literally break mm. small theatres, you yeah. know? So that's why some theatres just don't show Star Wars, Disney or anything like that. And there's a fear that that could happen here where, you have to, where you're going to have to play by their rules. And it could also hinder um, what is now called the throw it at the wall and see what sticks uh, mm -hmm. approach in television which is literally what's happening now is like people are coming up with these crazy ideas which we talked about in the last episode and there's so much money flying around that everything is getting greenlit and the worry is that prices are going to go up first of all these companies are debt ridden Netflix is billions runs on debt runs on debt yeah. and it's going to have to pay soon as well as that, because there's so much money flying around and there's so much interest in content, more content, more content, there's apparently a bidding culture has exploded in Hollywood where it's like an auction, essentially, for new scripts to the point where, like, it's never been seen before, apparently, the value of these scripts is going up by 30% from their original price purely because people are just hungry for it. It's just insane. And I have a I have a lovely little quote here about, well, it's not lovely. It's actually quite worrying. But this is what Weidenfeld uh, has to say about the future. And he said, three giant telecom companies are going to make and own all the content and they're not going to want anyone else to make it. There's not going to be a lot of innovation. The Russian dolls won't get made for a while. In a few years, it's going to suck. Which is pretty grim. And pretty grim. it got me thinking, I may not own a UPC box. But I might have to like subscribe to like seven different streaming channels. If it does end up in a situation where there's essentially uh, a Netflix channel mm -hmm. or an Amazon channel and it's purely originals, like I'd almost rather just have them as TV stations, yeah. you know, like it's... Well, I suppose the difference between what we have now and then if you were painting this picture of these different channel like effectively being channels is just the on-demand aspect yeah. of it. You watch on your terms without exactly, advertising. Exactly, yeah. But I think it's only a matter of time before advertising comes in as well. Like it's, it's this, I'm kind of wondering, like, is this the inevitable goal? Like not goal, but like inevitable position where mm -hmm. they just become what they replaced, you know, until the new thing comes along yeah. and just disrupts it again, which is a little bit sad. But this is the thing, this is all very based in America, right? I said that at the start, but it's also kind of getting close at home. <laughs> Nothing like this is happening in Ireland yet, for better or worse or whatever. I actually don't think the industry is big enough here to really... Be able to do like what? What are you gonna do? Combine RT with TG Car? <laughs> what the fuck? RT is already free online, yeah. you know. So, but to our east in the UK, a number of uh, media companies are combining uh, to form their own streaming service uh, called BritBox. Have you heard oh, of this? I think I have heard of that. Yeah. Mm. BBC, ITV, and Channel Four are all coming together to uh, create their own massive 
catalogue of British drama no way. and everything else that comes with it. Predictably, there's already been a massive debate over what episodes of which old shows can't be shown anymore. <laughs> and it's looking at, it sounds kind of cool. The BBC has a lot of good stuff. Channel 4 has some really good things. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see whether Film 4 stuff would be included in that. But this is in direct response to the stru- the trouble that uh, Netflix and its and its ilk are imposing on the BBC and, mm-hmm. and its peers in regards to profits and revenue. And what's interesting about BritBox is that about 20 years ago, it was proposed and it was shot down by government because they regulate media. Uh, I think it was Ofcom either the Office of Communications. Communications or, yeah. They shut it down saying that it would be a monopoly uh, and thus <laughs> it would not be fair and be illegal. And now they're... <laughs> yeah, how, how, how the wheel turns. Uh, and now that the BBC is hemorrhaging money, uh, it's all kind of turned around. So, yeah, it's... Uh, nothing is solid. <laughs> Everything is changing yeah. and slowly becoming the thing it, it replaced. Yeah. That's kind of everything you need to know about streaming services and what, why, where they could be going into what uncharted waters and whatever. So I'd like to bring it back to the UPC box at this yeah. point and reiterate that I don't think I will have one. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Would you? It's really hard to you, know the state of play that will be in place when, you know, the decision will have to be made in yeah. however many years. Like what state the streaming service will be in, and like you know what? Yeah. What if they go under? Like yeah. What if I I read a very confusing thing about Netflix <laughs> that I was just like, what the fuck does that mean? What was it? Netflix has a lot of debt. All right, this is such like corporate jargon here. Netflix has a lot of debt and is billions in off balance sheet content spending obligations that are due soon. What does that mean? Yeah, I presume that they have a lot of debt, but they are obligated to spend things on content. That's very confusing. Maybe it's budgeted weirdly for like five-year plans or something like that, mm. and it's all coming up soon. Uh, but they say explicitly soon. They don't. They don't say when. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to think about. I'm kind of fascinated by streaming services and UPC UPS, UPC boxes, evidently. But I uh, like I'm almost like half com- like tempted to start petitioning my parents to be like, here, do you realize how much money you're spending on this? Like this is. Like you hear horror stories of like old grannies like spending yeah. like having like a two like being talked into over the phone like two hundred quid uh, for a box and Wi Fi and you're just like this is a con job yeah I get that you're losing money because people are switching purely like me people are switching purely to streaming but like I don't know there's got to be a better way of doing business you know Mister mm. Richard Branson <laughs> with your version <laughs> boxes you, if you're listening <laughs> yeah as you are <laughs> but but yeah that's the story of streaming services. Another another research project done yeah. uh, for this week. Moving on to the triumphant return. Yes. Of uh, sorely missed. <laughs> I didn't think people would miss it, but I got a few no. messages. Here is head to head. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to witness the greatest happening in sport. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? Sudden death dodgeball. I know I can. So, um, since I won... The last one. What did I win for again? You won. What was uh, it? We discussed, best, or we debated our best siblings. Best siblings. Oh, yeah. Two weeks ago. Wilson on. Brothers uh, came out on top. As they always As they do. always do, apparently. And they brought all of them together. But uh, <laughs> I, I'll be kicking it off this week. The topic is our best selves. Uh, being the actors 
the best actors who have the same first name as us. Not a lot. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of Brendans and Connors out there. Not um, There's a couple of Brendans who are very low-level actors, where, like, you kind of see them, they're, like, extras or whatever, or, like, that dude who was the lead in one show and was never heard of again, do you know? But there's two that were kind of at the top of my list for choosing, uh, one close to home and one far from home. The first of these is, of course, Brendan Gleeson, Mr. Cock and Millish, Millish himself. <laughs> I thought going with him would be, oh, that's an easy one. He's really, really good at acting. Uh, he is very good at acting it's, so I decided to go instead for another one of my favourite Brendans that is of course Brendan Fraser ah, uh, yes. the man himself uh, George in the jungle uh, <laughs> I, for years I thought his name was Brendan Fraser but I actually listened to a podcast interview him there the other day and he points out it's Fraser but um, yeah so I'll just go through a bit of a summary of who this dude is and then I'll uh, I'll tell you why I picked him mm-hmm. so Everyone kind of knows this guy. He was around in a lot of our childhoods for some of the biggest roles. He was a leading man in Hollywood just as we were, I think, kind of being aware of films in the in the late 90s and, and early noughties. He uh, has a, a load of roles. George Jungle, I mentioned. He's Rick O'Connell in The Mummy. And probably my favourite role is him in Scrubs. He plays a guy called Ben. And, I forgot that he was in Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I remember that episode... He plays a character who has leukemia, mm-hmm. who is pretty bad at taking care of himself with leukemia. And I remember the he's like a, a brother-in-law of Dr. Cox. Uh, this hard-ass doctor who shows no weak points or signs of emotion. And because he doesn't take care of his leukemia, he passes away. And uh, I remember bawling, crying at this. And this was a very early experience with uh, high-strung emotions and, and television. Uh, obviously... Cartoon Network's uh, absence aside, <laughs> this was this is something that I was kind of floored by, and uh, it's always stuck with me. And I'm always pretty happy to rewatch that episode. Beyond these roles, uh, he was the first American to be inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. No way! What 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 an achievement! You know, yeah. uh, he I think he was the son of an ambassador or something like that, or his dad had a had a job that allowed him to travel, so he he was raised in like six or seven different countries. Uh, Canada being one of them. This is the thing. He disappeared off the face of the earth in, in the mid-naughties. Uh, for reasons I'll get into later. But since then, he's had a, a bit of a comeback uh, that's been labelled the Renaissance. <laughs> similar to the Macanaissance uh, for Matthew McConaughey. But uh, he's been doing a fucked up amount of TV shows. Oh, yeah? uh, loads and loads since like 2015. He's been rotating through these different roles. And my favourite of all these things is in 2016, he replaced Ray Liotta, a famous gangster actor, uh, or actor of gangsters. He's not a... <laughs> <laughs> he's not a he's gangster not, who acts. <laughs> he, he's not in with the with the Ritz and the, and the mob, but uh, he uh, in 2016, he replaced Ray Liotta in a role in the Bollywood thriller Line of Descent, <laughs> where he plays this dude working alongside the the mob of New Delhi. Bit of a mad one for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and why I like him, it's a pretty bad reason. <laughs> I just really like this guy. He, uh, he just seems like a really good guy. He's had a pretty rough life. Uh, obviously, he has had all the fame and fortune and comfort that comes with fame. Uh, well, <laughs> the fame that comes with fame. He's mm-hmm. had the fortune and comfort that comes with fame and success in Hollywood and, and having a good life as an actor. But 
in his words, uh, and for legal reasons, I think, I don't think the Hollywood Foreign Press is going to be listening to this, but for legal <laughs> reasons, we have to say, alleged, uh, he alleges that he was sexually assaulted by the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press in 2003. And between a cocktail of that, uh, his divorce years later, and the death of his mother, uh, it led him into a deep depression that resulted in his being ostracised from Hollywood for about a decade, with the, the the harassment, the alleged harassment being at the forefront of this. Fraser, beyond emotional and mental stresses, uh, was also physically fucked up, uh, because this, you probably remember from all the films that I mentioned earlier, he was a big buff dude, yeah. uh, and he liked to break things. He often played a clumsy man <laughs> who would run into things, and he often did a lot of his own stunts. And as a result, he has had to get surgery on his knees, back, and vocal cords. Wow. He is fucked, this guy. <laughs> um, so, both internally and externally, he is uh, a bit scarred. And as a result of this, and due to not having a job anymore, he just bought a ranch in upstate New York um, for him and his kids and horse a horse he bought he brought a horse that he saw was being abused on, on the set of a film and brought it to his ranch to give him a good life uh, for himself and also for his kid who's on the autism spectrum and they kind of help each other it seems so he just goes horse riding he chops wood and he just does archery uh, in a very <laughs> wholesome life. And while he's not doing that, he travels back and forth to different places around the world because he's back doing acting yeah. now. And I just really like this. Uh, not to glorify his struggles, but like he just seems like a very nice man. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it before, but like he seems like a nice man. I have quotes here from people who worked from Danny Boyle, famous director, said of one of his performances in The Affair, which was kind of the first big break he had once he came back into Hollywood. I utterly believed him. Uh, it's one of those delicious moments um, where you see someone you're so familiar with who is so changed by time and by experience. You kind of just clock that and it's both sad and wonderful because we all shared that same timeline. And he's talking about how wonderful it is to see his friend acting again and also how much he's changed and he's bringing to these roles. As well as that, um, the co-creator and executive producer of The Affair says, <laughs> in a funny sense, he we were looking for, for, when they were looking for this dude, for, for someone to fill this role that Brendan Fraser is in, he said, that, or she said, that they're looking for someone with star quality. We were looking for somebody who had the ability to be both in, incredibly compelling, but also really creepy and disorientating. And... Uh, <laughs> Fair play to Brendan. He's gone from Hollywood hunk to uh, creep. Creepy and disorienting. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know. The dude's got range. Yeah. Uh, the dude's lived through some shit. And all the while, he's managed to stay being a nice guy from, from what I can tell. And that is why I think Brendan Fraser is the best Brendan in Hollywood. That's a pretty good case. Yeah, so for my pick this week, I think you mentioned when you started off your pitch, obviously our names aren't the most the most common mm. um, and it's quite difficult mine being particularly difficult um, in fact I think what, what everybody should do now is should pause the podcast <laughs> or you can just do it at, at the same time and search Connor actor or Connor into IMDB or you can do it here. Yeah, oh, Bre right Bre now. Brendan's going to join you here just to understand the struggle that I've gone through in the last couple of days. <laughs> um, I should say that this was uh, suggested to us by a listener who previously suggested our, one of our uh, our previous head-to-head -head best siblings. The last one. Yeah. The last one, yeah. So he's on a roll. When he said it, I immediately thought, that's, that's a great idea. You thought the same as I, mm -hmm. Um 
But then I realized that it's actually a terrible idea <laughs> because there are no actors with the name Connor. No. There are, sorry, there are some actors. Who are they? Though? But there's nobody you know. There's sort of like obviously a host of, I'm pretty sure <laughs> if you type it into IMDb, I'm pretty sure the second person that comes up is Conor McGregor. Yeah, he's actually the first. Because he appears in like chat shows. The like second is a lad who uh, who appears like exclusively in, uh, what's it, in, in Virgin TV uh, soap operas, like, like Red Rock. Uh, yes, I remember that popping up. Yeah. So... Basically, I got on to Brendan during the week and I asked, is there any chance that we could bend the rules just a tiny, teeny bit to give me a chance? And can I use my middle name? Which is still not, you know, the most common name in the world, but it's definitely a lot easier to find can than I guess Connor. You want to guess it? Yeah. Pretty good at guessing middle names. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Pretty, I have a okay. long history of correctly guessing people's middle names. Is this something you do regularly or... Uh, in the past, in it's the past, happened. I kind of got afraid of the power, so I I took it away. Um, <laughs> but um, let me go, Patrick. Nope. James. No. Joseph. No. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here for uh, a while. John. Close. Oh, in a way. Jacob. No. <laughs> uh, Paul. No. Mark. Luke. No. Why? Why was that close? Because it is a translation. Sean. Hey. I know a Sean actor. You well, there's there's plenty more Sean actors than there is Connor actors. Um, um obviously a couple come to mind straight away. Yeah. Sean Penn. Yeah. Uh winner of two Oscars. And another name I'm still not hundred percent how to pronounce. Is it Sean Ban or Sean Bean? Sean Bean. Are you sure? Uh yes. Okay. But um he's obviously comes to mind as well, being Famously known for Ned Stark mm. in Game of Thrones or in Lord of the Rings, which I am not a big fan of. So I felt if I really, I felt oh, those are the two names that popped into my head straight away. And I felt Definitely I didn't couldn't pick Sean Astin then. Sean Astin also yes comes into play. And again, I couldn't pick him because I'm not a big fan. I feel if I was going to pick him, you know, you can't work around the the Lord of the Rings. Or mm. um, so I've gone for somebody kind of similar to the way that you haven't gone for the obvious Brendan. And it's slightly left of centre. I've actually gone for Sean William Scott. Why do I know that name? Wait. What's his name? Stifler. Stifler. <laughs> from American Pie series. Right. Is my like choice. Of, so uh, again, I've bent the rules and I've bent them again because he spells his name slightly different with two N's in the Sean for some reason. Mm. I'll just give you a quick rundown of his background, what he's all about. He was born in 1976 in Minnesota. Mm. Uh, the youngest of seven siblings. He was part of varsity football and basketball teams in high school, attended college, but eventually dedicated himself to acting and relocated to L.A. Mm. Um, he kind of started off with a couple of commercials, the most well-known being, not that you would have recognized him, but there was a Sunny Delight ad with Magic Johnson, in oh. which he was able to show off his basketball skills in the background. <laughs> but of course, you mentioned it earlier, um, he made his, well, he made his first on-screen appearance in 1996, and a couple of years later, he landed the big role, which everybody recognized him for as Steve Stifler mm. in the American Pie series. Interesting fact about his role in the first film, he revealed later on that he was actually he was only paid eight thousand dollars for the role. Guess how much the film grossed at the worldwide box office? Um, I want to say one hundred million. You would be slightly off. No, you'd be slightly. a good bit. Off. You'd be a good bit off. <laughs> it grossed two hundred and thirty-five million dollars. Holy shit! He then reprised his roles 
this role in uh, three sequels and another side note he received a reported five million for the final sequel oh. so definitely got uh made some <laughs> made some more bank than that <laughs> that eight thousand. He's an award-winning actor. He won two Teen Choice Awards mm. for Biggest Sleazebag. Is that the Netflix one? Or not the Netflix, the Nickelodeon? Nickelodeon, awards, yeah. Where yeah. they cover them in slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. He's, won, he's won two Teen Choice Awards for mm. Biggest Sleazebag. So he's an award-winning actor. Um, <laughs> and then since that initial success from American Pie, he's gone on to play a few things that you may recognize him in in Final Destination. He was in mm. the first one of those. He was in one of Will Ferrell's old films that we were talking about the week before last, Old School. Um, um, he also plays the title char- title character in The Dukes of Hazard. Bo Duke, he is. alongside Johnny Knoxville and Jessica Simpson, I think. Yeah, yeah. Again, all these kind of films, you know, not very well critically acclaimed, but... Um, I think the main reason that I'm picking him for um, would be for his role in a film that I've watched many, many times, and it's Dude, Where's My Car? Ah. Which I've watched a couple times. It is ridiculously stupid. Yeah, I've I never mean, been able to finish that film. Makes no sense. Well, no, it doesn't make, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, this is I'm going to play a clip because this is... <sighs> Dude, you got a tattoo! <laughs> So did you do it? No. Oh. oh. Dude, what does my tattoo say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What about mine? Dude! What does mine say? Yeah, so obviously that's ridiculously stupid, but it has a place in my heart, that film. Mm. Or maybe not my heart, but somewhere <laughs> um, <laughs> for that. He's also been seen in roles in films such as Role Models. He said in recent years that he's expressed his interest in shifting from comedic roles into kind of more serious roles. Mm. Um, in 2018, he did play a lead role in a horror film. Probably not drifting too <laughs> no. serious, but yeah. uh, definitely switching away from comedy a little bit. Mm. Uh, the film was Bloodline. And I have a quote here from the executive producer, Emma Tammy, right. saying about uh, Sean William Scott that he was an amazing... No, he has an amazing theatre background and is a very versatile actor. And I don't think most of the world has seen that yet. <laughs> so, maybe he just hasn't gotten the right role yet, you know? Maybe not. Maybe, I know, when everybody's thinking Shaw William Scott, you know, that's hilarious. But maybe, you know, he's he just hasn't been taken seriously enough and uh, needs to be needs to be ushered into the right role. You know, he might have his uh, his William scott essence yet. Yeah, you, you know? know? And, like, he, I think he's... He's still young. He still has time. He might find some more suitable roles in his in his older years. But I did say earlier that he is an award winning um, award winning actor, not just mm. for his uh, Teen Choice Awards. In two thousand and twelve, while he was in Dublin for the uh, American Pie reunion premiere, he was honored by Trinity College with the uh, gold medal of honorary patronage patronage from the Philosophical Society. Oh. And this society in Trinity is yeah, kind of well yeah. known for giving this award out to well-known people and they do their best to try and get them to 
come and talk. Come and talk, <laughs> yeah. basically. So they obviously saw an opportunity. Mm. And I have a quote from him uh, on receiving the award and being in Dublin in general. He said, you guys are so friendly and warm. Today was so much fun. And the response I received is the whole reason why I make movies. <sighs> Isn't he lovely? So, you know, you say Brendan Fraser's a nice guy. This guy specifically has gone out of his way to say how great we are. <laughs> you know, the people of Dublin, the people of Ireland. I think you're bribing the audience here. I think you're, Man, I think you're, I didn't you're put, playing up their ego. I here. didn't put words in Sean William Scott's mouth eight years ago. Okay, he said this on his own accord. <laughs> playing the long game here. Okay, on. so all I'm saying is that he loves us. <laughs> so we should love him in return. And that is basically why... I believe that Sean William Scott is the best actor of my same middle name. Lovely. Fair enough. So we'll, we'll see what the uh, what the people have to say about that. Uh, as always, the, the poll will be up the day after this releases. For now, though, that is all this week. We do have another bit of an announcement. As lockdown is beginning to ease up and lives are returning back to normal, we are kind of finding that uh, we don't really have enough room to continue doing this podcast unfortunately mm-hmm. as such it looks like this could be the last uh, episode of take two and um, yeah for now i suppose we uh we don't want to put in a, a definite finish on it but mm. i think for the moment just looking ahead as you said with lo- lockdown kind of being lifted and hopefully continuing to be lifted and not go the other way and unfortunately that means that we need to uh We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, it's it's hard Nobody to tell. Nobody does. But going forward for now, we, we might drop in. If we find that we're able to release another episode here or there, we may drop in. For now, thank you all very much for listening. It's been quite a quite a pleasure to actually do this. It, we, we've said it before. This has been something that we've wanted to do properly for years. So it's been nice to be able to do it and to get a bit of an audience going mm-hmm. and some interaction. So well, I think we'll leave it at that, will we? Yes, I suppose we will. Um, yeah. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye.